Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Haley Gilly. In addition to future reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news, and the show starts with a look at California agricultural news. The California citrus season has been challenging, with the crop size being down anywhere from 10 to 20 percent due to thripe issues on most citrus items. Fortunately, thripe hasn't been as widespread as previously thought, says Krista Beckstead with Mountain View Fruit Sales. However, sizing is a concern as both oranges and lemons will peak heavily on the larger side of the spectrum through the end of the season. Mandarins are seeing more normal sizing pattern. For Mountain View Fruit Sales, citrus harvest started back in November with their rascal-branded mandarins. The season continues with brilliant branded Cara Cara grapefruit, lemons, and Meyer lemons wrapping up the season in May. The simply grown organic mandarins will start in February and are available into April. Mandarins could peak in February and wind down to an earlier end than last season. All in all, we fully anticipate this citrus season to end earlier than normal. Stone fruit is another key item for Mountain View. Last year was a considerably later start to the season for us due to all the cold weather that came through in the beginning of the year, commented Beckstead. This year, we are slated to start about seven days ahead of last year, she added. The season start date will largely depend on the weather, and Beckstead is hopeful Mother Nature will be kind in the upcoming months that are crucial for the blooms. The California stone fruit season kicks off with apricots, typically at the end of April, and continues through the middle or end of June, depending on the crop size, weather, etc. So far, the growing conditions have been good. We have had surface water available all last year, which is great for the health of our orchards, commented Beckstead. While November and December were dry, California is getting closer to the rain levels that could call it a normal year, which is positive. There is a lot of weather still to navigate, but we are excited for the upcoming season. We are coming off of a couple good years for the growers and have been able to pick up more lands for our portfolio, so we are happy with our continued growth and future endeavors. Mountain View is currently meeting with their retail partners to set up programs that meet their needs. We are filled with hope and anticipation for a bountiful harvest and have another successful year of delivering the best quality fruit at the right time to our partners. Focus on the long-term viability of the industry it represents. The California Table Grape Commission is providing USDA with input on ways to enhance competitiveness through formal comments, as well as testimony provided at the CDFA State Board hearing, which opened the World Ag Expo yesterday in Tulare, California. The testimony offered by Commission incoming President Ian LeMay provided recommendations focused on enhancing competitiveness in the U.S. marketplace, expanding exports, extending USDA food purchases for those in need, supporting research initiatives, and encouraging adoption of new technologies. According to LeMay, the purpose of the testimony before the State Board was to encourage inclusion of table grape grower priorities in the comments that CDFA will make to USDA on behalf of the state's specialty crop growers. Competitive has long been a commission priority, said LeMay. We hope that the state board sees value in the recommendations and includes them in its feedback to USDA. Testimony highlights include noting the need to sell more U.S.-grown products to U.S. consumers. The recommendations include establishment of a domestic promotion program modeled after the successful market access program. The new program would allow grower organizations to apply for and match funds to promote in the U.S., the biggest market in the world and one that is critical to the survival of table grape growers. To expand exports, the commission urges support for a doubling of MAP funding in the next Farm Bill. Citing the pride that table grape growers feel in providing nutritious food to those in need, the commission recommends an increase in the annual financial commitment to distribute to those who are food insecure. 
a pilot program that expands procurement to include fresh fruits and vegetables and international food aid programs is also recommended. Noting that economic viability requires research, innovation, and adoption, the commission advocates support for legislation establishing a fund for mechanization research and for the development of a grant program to help growers adopt new technology. Additional funding for USDA table grape varietal research is sought to help ensure that future varieties are resistant to pests, diseases, and weather and are affordable to produce, stable to ship, and meet consumer expectations. A delegation from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, including Deputy Secretary Sochi Torres Small, Undersecretary Robert Bonney, Farm Production and Conservation, and USDA Natural Resources Conservation Services, Chief Terry Cosby, toured flood-damaged sites throughout San Diego County. While touring damage to urban and rural communities, $1 million was initially announced to help agricultural producers recover from January 2024 flood-related damage. NRCS in California is committed to assisting agriculture agricultural producers recover from these recent devastating rain events, and this initial $1 million investment will help get farmers back to farming, said NRCS California State Conservationist Carlos Suarez. The funding is being made available through NRCS's Environmental Quality Incentives Program. Furthermore, NRCS California reminds eligible sponsors that the Emergency Watershed Protection Program helps communities address watershed impairments or hazards such as debris removal and stream bank stabilization after major flood events. EWP provides immediate assistance to communities to mitigate potential hazards to life and property resulting from flood events and other disasters, added Suarez. EWP allows us to work with local sponsors to help damaged watersheds so that lives and property are protected while preventing further devastation in the community. The USDA delegation was hosted by City of San Diego and County of San Diego officials. The tour visited multiple sites near National City and then continued to see two agricultural operations damaged near the Tijuana River. Additionally, on February 10th, NRCS Chief Cosby visited one tribal community and one flower nursery damaged by rain events in San Diego's North County. The EWP program is a recovery effort aimed at relieving imminent hazards to life and property caused by floods, fires, windstorms, and other natural disasters. All projects must have an eligible project sponsor. NRCS may bear up to 75% of the eligible construction cost of emergency measures, 90% within countywide limited resource areas as identified by the U.S. Census data. The remaining costs must come from local sources and can be in the form of cash or in-kind services. EWP is designed for installation of recovery measures to safeguard life and property as a result of a natural disaster. Threats that the EWP program addresses are termed watershed impairments. These include, but are not limited to, debris-clogged waterways, unstable stream banks, severe erosion, jeopardizing public infrastructure, windborne debris removal. Eligible sponsors include cities, counties, towns, or any federally recognized Native American tribe or tribal organizations. Sponsors must be able to provide the local construction share, obtain permits, site access, and agree to perform operations and maintenance of the constructed projects. Willing sponsors must submit a formal assistance request by mail or email to the California State Conservationist within 60 days of the natural disaster occurrence or 60 days from the date when access to the sites became available. For more information, potential sponsors should contact their local NRCS office. The fresh produce industry around the world is at the forefront of experiencing the tangible effects of climate change. In regions like California, recent weather patterns have brought about unseasonably high rainfall, which goes beyond typical seasonal fluctuations. 
This is a manifestation of the broader climatic shifts that are affecting our environment, says Jose Fu of CCH Citrus. While such weather events are not unprecedented, their intensity is a clear signal of change in climatic conditions, he notes. These shifts lead to more pronounced droughts and rainfall and floods, overall a greater extremity in weather patterns. Last year's wet season in California brought with it not just a change in the size and quality of the citrus we grow, but also heightened the battle with pests and diseases, including invasive species like fruit fly populations. For example, thripes, which leave a cosmetic mark on citrus fruits, became more prevalent. These changes pose significant questions about the long-term shifts in growing conditions and highlight the need for increased awareness. It's not just about the immediate impact on crop productivity and quality, it's about understanding and responding to these changes proactively. Initiatives like the USDA's Fresh Produce Purchase Programs exemplify the importance of awareness. These programs aim to supply fresh, healthy produce to underserved communities, which is crucial. However, when environmental challenges affect the cosmetic appearance of fruits like grapefruits, we're reminded of the need for flexibility in our grade specifications and standards in those programs. Fu points out that while the USDA's specification for fancy grade fruit is well-intentioned, it could benefit all communities in the supply chain from accommodating choice grade fruit, which despite its light scars, is equally nutritious and flavorful. The issue with intense thripes, insect pressure motivated by intense climate conditions is a prime example. The scarring these insects cause does not affect the fruit's taste or nutritional value, yet such fruits are often excluded from aid programs based on appearance alone. This brings to light a broader conversation about sustainability, reducing food waste, and the need to create a more efficient approach to resource utilization. In times of climatic adversity, it is essential to consider the benefits of inclusivity and quality standards, especially when the produce, in this case, fresh citrus, is destined for community support programs. This is not just about adapting to climate change, it's about reshaping our approach to food quality to ensure that no resource is wasted and every opportunity to nourish is seized. This approach focuses on the broader implications and solutions advocating for a systematic response to the impacts of climate change. This approach focuses on the broader implications and solutions advocating for a systematic response to the impacts of climate change and fostering a mindset of sustainability and adaptability. Foo finished. In some much-needed good news for walnuts, the tree nut reportedly saw excellent marketing results during this recent holiday season among other export wins in 2023 thanks to a crop that was higher than usual in quality. Pam Gravier, Vice President of Integrated Marketing, California Walnut Board. An overwhelmingly positive response to the current crop. Um, last year, we had some crop issues with the, the heat and the sunburn damage. And this year, Mother Nature was absolutely, you know, as kind as could be. We have a just stunning quality crop. So how that uh, matters in the export world is it, its color, its size of the actual walnut, and it's that expectation that they've had of California over many years of having a beautiful consistent quality crop. And so this year we have it and we've seen our exports increasing as a result. Quality is king in walnuts and it could be through the roof and still not matter if the crop 
isn't being moved. Gravier explained what the board has continued to do internationally in retail sales activation to move the higher quality crop through to consumers. We've been very active at the retail level across pretty much all our international markets for quite some time. But when the new crop starts arriving from here to those markets, um, some gets there late November into December in time for holidays. And so we have what are called tie-in promotions. So we work with major retailers to promote walnuts in store with California walnuts logos and signage. We also provide recipe cards. And in some cases, we actually have um, what are called demonstrators in a store. And so they will uh, provide a small sample for consumers to taste while they're shopping and also talk to them about California walnuts and why California. So that carries on into now, um, all the way up until around Easter time, depending on the country. So we hit the traditional, what we call Western Christian holidays, but we're also there for Ramadan as well. So we have, uh, retail promotions during the Ramadan season. California Walnut Board is also working with new partners in India, which has a fast-growing middle class and desire for nuts and dried fruits on new product and menu inspirations. We've worked very closely with a, I would consider it's one of the largest uh, Indian sweets and snacks companies in, in India called Haldarams. And they've introduced, uh, actually in December, a brand new um, item called Walnut Chicky. And if you think of peanut brittle, that's what it is. So it's taking nuts in a sugary coating that becomes hard like a brittle. But peanut chicky is eaten everywhere, all over India. And to have walnuts come into such a familiar treat is um, huge. It has great potential. And as the market leader in that space in India, other companies kind of emulate them. So we're expecting to see more of this type of product to develop over the next year. Another area we work in is, you know, that's the sweet side. But how do walnuts become something more? So towards the end of last year, we worked with the Food Harbor, which is an, a food innovation hub in Hamburg, Germany. And we created four prototypes of uh, new product ideas. So two are meat alternatives and two are cheese alternatives. So when you think of meat, one was a burger patty, which, you know, is kind of expected. But what's really uh, common to eat throughout Germany is what we call a spreadable meat, like a liverwurst. And so we created a meat alternative using walnuts that's spreadable. We also did a hard sliceable cheese as well as a cream cheese. 
So how do people know about these new innovations? We invited a variety of product developers from companies that are in the um, plant forward or uh, plant-based product space to come taste the product, learn about how it was formulated, and then also see how it can be used you know, across different cuisines. So we're still following up on the leads generated from that, but the hope is, is that inspires a company that's already looking at that space to use walnuts instead of a different ingredient. The California Walnut Commission also just applied again for the market access program grant through USDA, which essentially doubles the marketing money for California walnuts in programs like the ones Gravier previously mentioned, as well as USDA's new regional agricultural promotion program. That's a $1.4 billion program. And no, the money is not available all at once. They're sectioning it off in different application periods. So this, this first go-round is $300 million. And so we looked at where can we go next with California walnuts? And in that process, it's looking at markets that we're not currently doing any kind of marketing in as well as countries where we have an active program, but either it's underfunded or there are new segments like new product development or new food service and culinary development that we want to get into. So in our application, we actually have, oh, it's seven new markets that are in North Africa, as well as um, Asia and Southeast Asia. And then we also have five existing markets that qualified for the program. We won't hear um, how successful our application was until the earliest they're telling us is June. But what that does is it gives us more funds to go create new demand. And as you have increased demand, it helps balance where we are with an oversupply. And so eventually over time, when supply and demand get more in alignment, then you see, then you start to see pricing stabilize and rise, which is what we really need for the industry. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. Initially announced in the spring of 2023, BASF Sustain Herbicide has been in the works since 2012 and is now approved for use, subject to state approvals. The product is intended for use on corn acres and is the industry's first solid encapsulated herbicide technology, which the company says maintains crop safety while providing a long residual length. It uses two active ingredients, Group 14 PPO inhibitor, Safluinacil, Group 15 growth inhibitor, Pyroxacelphone. 
to control and suppress 79 broadleaf and grass weeds, such as palmer, amaranth, water hemp, and giant ragweed. Every year, growers spend millions of dollars to control weeds in cornfields due to increased herbicide resistance, said Scott Kay, vice president of U.S. Agricultural Solutions at BASF. Sustained herbicide's unique chemistry targets weeds at their most vulnerable state, providing an excellent control of even the most troublesome weeds facing corn growers today. Sustained offers a wide application window ranging from pre-plant through early post-emergence. BASF shares it can be used as an all-in-one solution to help users move faster and more efficiently during the busy spring season. The product also has tank mix flexibility and can be mixed with herbicides, liquid fertilizers, adjuvants, and additives, including UAN and ATS. USDA adjusted its milk product and class prices this month higher based on several factors. Rod Bain and World Agricultural Outlook board chair Mark Mark Chikanowski. Stronger domestic dairy demand with a month-over-month -month lower adjustment in production means slightly tighter supplies. And as a result of all of this, product prices here in the U.S. are up. World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski adds within USDA's dairy outlook. Cheese price we raised by $0.07 cents per pound. Butter price up by $0.11 cents per pound. Dry products as well, non-fat dry milk, dry whey, each raised about a nickel per pound. Translating also into higher milk class prices for February. So both our class three price and our class four price were raised this month. Class three was raised by a dollar per hundred weight, now at $17.10 per hundred weight. Class four was raised by 85 cents per hundred weight to $20.20 per hundred weight. And the all milk price we raised this month by 95 cents per hundred weight, now forecast for 2024 at $20.95 per hundred weight. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Rod Bain and World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says each day without a new farm bill adds to uncertainty for producers. Gary Crawford and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. Everyone who lives in rural America depends in large part on the farm bill programs. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack telling the House Ag Committee Wednesday that the farm bill is more than just a farm bill. Uh, it's a rural development bill, it's a conservation bill, it's a nutrition bill, it's a research bill, uh, it's a trade bill. It is a broad opportunity to say to rural America and American agriculture that we care, uh, that we're investing in their future and we're providing stability. But of course Congress last year failed to pass a new bill, instead extending the old one for a year while working on a new bill. Bill Sachs says in the meantime. The failure to have a farm bill creates uncertainty and that uncertainty makes it very difficult for producers to make decisions about their operations. And he said it creates uncertainty for others as well, including farm lending institutions. So Vilsack told lawmakers, The bottom line is, right. we've got to get it done. This is Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Gary Crawford and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Reports. I'm Haley Gilly. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see... West Coast, not magazine on the 
every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.